Deuteronomy chapter 18 and chapter 19 we'll look at today. I think there's uh, eight more after today, eight more teachings in Deuteronomy, the way I get it planned out. And by the way, I've, uh, I listen to Joe Foch on Deuteronomy. I listen to a lot of other people too. Uh, you know, I read and I do my own studying. I like to read a Blue Letter Bible, David Guzik's commentaries, a lot of stuff I take in. But I use Joe Foch's generally his outline, like if he does two chapters, I'm doing two chapters. So that's kind of how I know how long it's going to take. And I got to plan it because, you know, because of uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night, our homework assignments, you know, I got to get through what I'm, I've asked questions on already. So that's how that works. So we're in chapter 18 and 19. Chapter 20, by the way, before I start, I get a few announcements. Chapter 20 is going to be very exciting. It's on warfare. Say, yeah, I'm not in the army. You're in God's army. And I think a lot of us don't understand or know how this works. And uh, nothing significant happens outside of spiritual warfare. I mean, you're already in the battle. I think a lot of us don't know it. And we, we're losing badly by virtue of the fact that we don't know it. And God has a lot of exciting things to say about that. But in the interim, 18 and 20, there's a lot of good stuff here, too. Uh, so we have a few announcements. On, I determined September 15th we're going to have a work day, we're going to paint the church, going to paint the deck, paint the, a lot of painting. So everyone, you know, we'll, we'll supply the paintbrush. <laughs> you supply the arm and the roller to move it along. Well, uh, so that's going to be happening. Um, there was a couple other small odd jobs that we have, but mostly painting and stuff. So like I say, most, most of us could be, you know, do that. We're going to paint the floor and head. We haven't done it in a while. It's starting to look kind of dingy. And like I say, we're going to paint the outside of the church and the deck out front, and there's some repair work that has to be done. So if you're handy that way, if you know somebody, you don't have to come to church here to, to work here. <laughs> I mean, we'll t- you know, we like invite friends and stuff like that, and you can, you can feel free to do that. Um, the other thing is that after Labor Day, which is the 5th this year, starting a Sunday after, I'm going to have Sunday night services from my house on Facebook. Um, so you're you have to come here. We're going we're to broadcast, and I'm going through the book of Psalms. I've determined I'm going to do that. So, uh, you know, if you're like that, if you're, uh, it's just something I felt like God's been working on my heart for a while, so we're going to do that. Uh, okay, chapter 18, Deuteronomy. Let's pray. Fathers, my brother Andrew's already prayed. We want you to know you better after having studied your word, and we want you to bless and pour out a blessing. And we don't just understand facts, Lord. We want to know you more intimately, know about your ways. And Lord, I pray that you'd take your word and bless it to our hearts, Lord, that we might understand, that we might grow. Uh, Truly, Lord, it is a a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And we understand we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So bless to that end, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 18, Leviticus, uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Why did I say that? Because <laughs> I was reading the priests and the Levites, and I went Levitical. Okay. The priests, uh, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire in his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he hath said unto them. 
This shall be the priest's due from the people, from them that offer a sacrifice, whether it be ox or sheep. And they shall give unto the priest the shoulder, the two cheeks, and the maw, the first fruit also of thy corn and of thy wine and of thy oil, and of the first of the fleece of thy sheep shalt thou give him. For the Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all thy tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons, forever. There's some more on this, but let's stop there. Okay, Levi doesn't have an inheritance. They don't have a land. Well, they do, actually. They're going to be 48 cities throughout all Israel. God will shake out like a salt shaker, and he'll have these Levitical cities all throughout the Israel. Um, they don't have a, 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 a one tribal section like, like Judah does, like, like Benjamin does, like Dan, like Zebulun. They'll be, you know, like I say, scattered throughout the land. Um, they shall have no partner or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat of the offerings the Lord made by fire in his inheritance. So their inheritance is from the Lord. Um, this gives rise to, they make their living basically from what God provides. Well, can they have a farm and grow figs or, or grapes or... Sure, sure. And they do, and they will. Um, Therefore shall they have no inheritance amongst the, the, their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he has said unto them. So the Lord will sustain them from the blessings from the people. Um, y- you know, uh, this gives rise to, you know, in the New Testament, Paul teaches that the people who preach the gospel should make their living from the gospel. And I, I don't want to be remiss and not teach this. Every time you know, we talk about tithing or giving of money, I get all tense and stuff. You know why? Because there's a lot of crazy out there when it comes to money. It just is. And, I, and, and there's a lot of people who derive their income off the backs of, it's been this way for, for a long, long time. Um, you know, the, the guy on TV, send in your faith gift, and you know, he's selling like miracle wallets. You buy one of these, you'll never have any financial worries again. Why don't he just keep one for himself and he won't have to sell any of them? And I, you know, even I, when I wasn't even saved, I could figure that out. Like I say, there's a lot of crazy goes along with money, and and people will say, you know, oh, he's just in it for the, he's just in the ministry for the money. And, and then they think like, um, boy, you know, uh, three points in a poem. Boy, I could do that Saturday while I watch college football and, uh, you know, play golf the rest of the week. And the people I know in the ministry are the hardest working people that I know. The people do it right. And, of course, there are those, there are those types. And then there's like resentment because of that, like, yeah, we got to take care of this guy and, and everything else. Um, look, you know, when I first got in the ministry, I thought like that would happen here, like it happens probably in most every other Calvary chapel in Maine, I think. I'm not sure. I think there's some guys who have like work, part-time work. They do like building and things of this nature. I know... Uh, uh, Dave Homechuck has in the past and maybe still does. Um, you know, Greg Houston, I think he still does. I think there's others who work. I think I'm only full-time, uh, the only pastor with two full-time jobs. It served me well. I'm not complaining. I'm really not. 
Um, I, I, there's, like I say, there's a lot of animosity in some church groups. I've heard like people say things like about their pastor. You, you want your pastor like be like a hunting dog, keep them lean and hungry. You know, you don't want to bless them too much. And um, there was great conflict. I remember we went to a Baptist church and. Uh, you know, the, the annual meeting <laughs> when we discussed the budget and the pastor's salary and stuff. Like, everyone would be out. And it was a big deal. And it was just, look, I don't derive my salary from, from doing this. Uh, there were years when I did it for gratis, nothing. Now I have a housing allowance. It's a rather generous housing allowance. I'm happy with that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, God's provided for me. I'm all set. Don't worry about me. But that doesn't stop me from teaching what the Bible says. People who work from the gospel should derive their income from the gospel. Uh, the workman is worthy of his hire, Paul writes in the New Testament. He says, Paul says in the New Testament, you don't muzzle the ox while he's quoting from, I think it's Deuteronomy. I can't, hmm, isn't that strange that I would forget that. I think he's quoting from Deuteronomy. He says, you don't muzzle an ox while he's treading out the grain. What's that all about? He's saying, well, an ox, while he's you know, pulling that big grindstone and he's all over the grain and he's separating the, you know, the chaff from the wheat, if he wants to stop and have a few kernels, that's fine. He's, he's earning it. You, you, you leave him alone. You don't put a muzzle on him. Uh, and then Paul goes on to say, well, why do you think God wrote that? Ox don't read. He's saying because that they w you would know that a pastor... Is, is worth his, and I don't think that's just true about pastors. I think anyone who works, the workman is worthy of his wage. When we hire in, uh, people, we should be very generous, as generous as we could be. You say, well, I've got, you know, competitors, and we've got to, you know, bid our jobs real lean, and I, I get all that. I, get, I understand. I mean, uh, I understand what, what that's like. Um, I don't think the government, they, they mess up everything. We're paying, I think it was $18. We, 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 were down, we went down to, for a wedding yesterday uh, down in Berwick. And I think they got one rest area for Burger King. They were advertising $18 an hour to start. And another place wanted a $300 bonus that they'll give you if you stayed there six months. And uh, I'm just thinking, like, Leave the economy alone. It'll fix itself. It'll, it'll, it'll find its own level. You know what I mean? Um, we have this minimum wage here in Maine that I don't know anybody who makes minimum wage. If you just start, like I say, you're a head French fry boy at McDonald's, you're going to get more than minimum wage. So it's kind of a useless. But anyway, uh, I'm getting far afield here. The workman is worthy of his hire, not just like those who pass the churches, those who work professionally in ministry. And God says, I, I, have a, I want you to do it this way. Um, so they'll have plenty. Because they don't have an inheritance. I'm their inheritance. And, so what, what, and this shall be the priest due from, from the people, for them that offer a sacrifice. Whether it be ox or sheep, they shall give unto the priest the shoulder, the two cheeks, and the maw. But you better check with Pa first. I just, I'm just saying... Uh, so it's, not, it's not the whole thing. It's like something, and this is what the priest gets. You know, you sacrifice, some sacrifices that you consume the whole thing in fire. The priest doesn't get anything. Nobody gets anything, except it's kind of the idea of God gets the whole thing. 
there's a lot of the fellowship offering, uh, sin offering. There's um, you know different offerings. The, of course, the, the, uh, there's a uh, a meal offering, a fine flour, and then there's a drink offering, libation, and these get put out to the Lord. But some of these things that the the, the worshiper and the priest partake in, and God wants it that way. Look at what else He says. So Lord, I got um, uh, the first fruit also of thy corn. Corn here is grain. Of thy wine, of thine oil, of the first of the fleece of thy sheep shalt thou give him. I want you to take care of the Levite, God's saying. Like I'm saying, this isn't my, me complaining. This is me teaching the word of God. I'm fine. I'm doing fine. God has blessed me. I'm not complaining. I, I, I love the Lord. I love the fact that I can work. And I, I, I think that's what he wants me to do at this point in my life. But like I say, we just, we don't, this is what the word of God says. And I just, it's like I say, it served me well because anyone who says like, well, yeah, Adam's just in it for the money, I think <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I work, you know, 40 hours or more. I'm only working 40 hours. I feel like I'm on vacation. It's crazy. You know, at the end of the eight hours, I say, okay, go home now. I'm like, wow, I just got started here. This is, and I'm not working Saturdays. This is like really a, 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 almost like I feel like I'm taking time off by only giving them 40 hours. So I have two full-time jobs. It served me well, like I say, because I don't think anyone's calling me lazy. Um, uh, I work uh, hard at being a pastor. I don't come here unprepared. Um, I work hard at being like you know a good employee. I, I like to think I work hard at being a husband and a, and a dad and a and a papa and all that stuff. I mean, and we still try to take time out for our friends and. If, Saturday morning, we'll go into a wedding. Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, I try to fix the steps in the basement. I'm trying to, like, keep busy. I don't goof off. I got a garden besides. We, I, I, you know, I think work is a good thing. I, I, I say I'm not complaining. And like I say, people who think, like, oh, you're just in it for the money. <laughs> you're ridiculous. A friend of mine was saying to me, he says, so what do they pay you down there? I said, well, I got a housing allowance. He said, what is that? And I told him, he said, that's very honorable that you would do that for that much. And I thought, like, even, uh, you know, uns unsafe people think, like, well, I don't want to say anything more about that. Let's keep moving. Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all thy tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. And so when people turned away from the Lord, I think Levites suffered the most. And if a Levite come from, now this is new, if a, uh, we haven't co uh, covered this yet, if a Levite come from any of thy gates out of the Israel where he sojourned and come with all the desire of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose, that's going to be Jerusalem, then he shall minister in the name of the Lord, his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, which stand there before the Lord, they shall have like portions to eat beside that which cometh of the sale of his patrimony. What is that all about? So you got a Levite. He says, I just like to live in Jerusalem. I like to be among the things of the Lord all the time. He says, go for it. And he should get his share also. Um, like portions, verse 8. And that, besides that which comes, so he sold his house up in Dan or Gilead or wherever he comes from. He sold his house. Well, leave him. That's his. You leave that alone. Uh, and he's going to have equal portion with all the priests. The priests had a schedule. They were in Jerusalem two times for a week at a time. Um, 
when their course came about, and then they were there for all the big uh, holidays, the big holy days that we talked about last week. Uh, the Passover, which is really the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they were there for Pentecost, and they were there for the Feast of Booths. All, all hands on deck, you know, big doings, lots of stuff happening. And then they were there two weeks besides, you know, like once in the spring, one in the fall, or maybe they had the winter and summer, however it worked out when your turn came around. Okay, that's what the that's that's that. Now we're going to have a, go on to something else. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found any one among you that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a with wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God for these nations which thou shalt possess hearken unto observer of times and unto divina uh, div diviners but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. Is this an Old Testament thing, or is this for the people of God today? Well, you judge for your own self. But he calls them abominations. The word is, it means something that makes God sick, something that turns his stomach. Does God actually get sick and vomit? And uh, Does he have a stomach, for that matter? Anthropomorphisms that teach us, like Jesus said, uh, you know, about a church, well, the Laodicean church, uh, you, you're, you're, not, you're not hot, you're not cold. You make me want to throw up. And that's the word spew the out of my mouth. That means spew, like we would use it. Um, well, Jesus has a, a stomach. I think he still has one. It's a divine stomach. It's um, eternal. Uh, he, you know, when he went to heaven, he, he's in his eternal body, his glorified body, his resurrected body. That's remarkable to me. God became man. Wow. More on that some other time. One, it, it always blows my mind. But he became man. He never became unman. Oh, he's divinity. He never divested himself of his godhood. But now, in the center of the universe where God is, to his right hand sits a human being. Ouch. Uh, so when he says, uh, you know, you make me want to vomit, I think he's talking about as we would think of it. Uh, when God s says this, it's, it's an abomination. This is abominable. Like, ugh. There shall not be found any among... There not should be found among you any that maketh his son or his daughter pass through the fire. What's that all about? We get a little bonfire in the backyard and the kids have to run. and We've got to hose them down first because we don't want to lose any kid. Got to hose them down good. And they run across and they jump through the... Mm, no. No. It was an offering. It was a sacrifice to God Molech. It had this bronze god superheated fire inside and they put their newborn baby on the arms of the and the baby was immolated 
And God said, that never come to my mind. I, I, I never asked anyone to do that. Listen, your problem is, is that we never rise above the thoughts of, our, of God. We think God's some angry volcano God, like, you know, we got to stuff virgins into a volcano to stop the volcano from exploding. Or the river Ganges will overflow its banks and there'll be flooding and crops will be ruined or this or that will happen. But if we toss enough of our children into the river, um, there were practices in Canaan where they would bury children in the wall of a house. Their God would bless their house. All right, I don't want to talk about this very much. I see your faces. This is totally unpleasant. We're not just talking about someone who's a little off doctrinally. And God says, I hate that. It never came into my mind. That's stuff that makes me want to throw up. Doesn't make you want to throw up or cry. Uh, did, I don't want did anyone found among you that maketh the son of his daughter to pass through the fire. This happened in Israel among the kings. Crazy stuff who led the people in this, in this false, idolatrous worship. I don't want you to... No, nobody, zero people in Israel I want to find doing that. Or he that uses divination, fortune-telling. Or an observer of times, think here astrologer, not astronomy, <laughs> astrology, okay? What's your sign? Uh, my signs leave me alone, okay? People ask me that still sometimes. It's the weirdest thing in the world, you know. Someone's got a newspaper. It, even that's the weirdest thing. A newspaper, what is that? What are you going to do with that thing? Start a fire? I don't know. What? Uh, hey, what's your sign? Uh, general tendencies. Just get away from me with that. I, it's, are you kidding me right now? Oh, it's just a, it's just a fun little uh, thing that we don't really pay much attention to. Um, Back in the 70s, people were taking it like super serious. Me, me and Susan, well, she, she wasn't around then, but I was, I was around and I, I remember stuff like it. People were taking it like, oh my goodness, serious. Like, and it was, like, it was a big thing. And it comes and it goes. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. And so he's right. You know, these things, they come and they go. Um... Uh, he that uses divination, observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch. Um, spells, incantations, all that. Or a charmer, or a consult with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. All these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Don't do that th those things. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If it's wrong for these people, it's wrong for you to come in and stop practicing their practices. I'm taking them out of the land. I'm using you as my, as my rod of correction. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching them not to do this anymore. Don't you start doing it. That's exactly what happened. That's what happened to Israel. That's why they went into the Assyrian captivity. That's why they went into the Babylonian captivity. They did the same things. You know, I think at the heart of this is all, you know, 
this is the problem. I want to know the future. I, know, I want to know what the future holds. I want to know, I, I want to be able to navigate around, you know, these rocks in the river that are going to, you know, upset and, and I'm, I'm going to crash and it's going to be really, I want to know where they can, I want to, you know, be able to maneuver around them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could always tell the future? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you, or if you had somebody who would help you around these perilous situations. I have one. His name's Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes he's telling me that he's doing it. Usually he doesn't. You know, I'll get up. You know, you know what? Uh, the other day I, I stopped by him and Lumber on the way home. It's not in and of itself anything, right? Who knows what crash I avoided when I did that? Who knows stuff like that? You know, I said, oh, yeah, I've got to stop at Hammond. So I said, what, what happened? Nothing. What would have happened if I didn't? Nothing, maybe. Or maybe death. Who knows? I know this. I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future, and I've put myself in his hand. He, God says if the blind lead the blind, both of them fall into the ditch. Listen, I'm ditch-free. I'm not the blind being led by the blind. I'm being led by God. And he generally keeps me out of ditches. And if I end up in a ditch, I think it's by his divine providence. And I'm thinking, okay, what went sideways, Lord? And we figure out, or maybe he just wanted me in a ditch. I, either way, I just learn how to trust him. I learn how to trust him. What happens? I don't know. Basically good things. Sometimes he leads me into a trial or a season where things are hard. But I just always think, let daddy drive. It, it just, your life goes so much better. And so why would I check with somebody who I know probably is either lying to me or is inept? They had uh, um, the psychic friends hotline. You remember that? They went out of business. The headline screen, uh, you know, psychic friends go out of business. They never saw it coming. We were at a fair and when she was in politics, when Sue was in the Maine State Legislature, we, were, uh, we had that, f it was the Bangor Fair and we were manning a booth for the, the party. You remember that? And there was a lady who was like a fortune teller, a couple of tables down. We had coffee and, and stuff and I think it was free, or maybe it was 50 cents or something. Maybe it was donation, I don't remember. She said, how much for the coffee? And I said, you tell the future, why don't you just look in the future, see what I'm going to say to you, and give me that much money. Easy, right? She was not happy with me. Um, it, hey, here's something. It doesn't work, and when it does, that means Satan's involved. I, I know how it, it happens. People say, oh, you're a good friend, and you're really loyal, and you're wise, and you're, you know, and, you know, like the Chinese horoscope thing, or like, you know, even they do this with astrology. Uh, we all like to think we're good friends and we're, <laughs> you know, and so we read this, it's kind of like, doesn't really tell us anything, and we're like, oh yeah, they got me exactly. Stay away from that thing, God says, it's abominable. Listen, there's still spirit cooking going on. There's still all kinds of stuff. Man, I got to tell you, uh, I, get, I can give you, I can stay right here for the rest of today and the next eight or ten Sundays telling you about all the stuff that's going on in America right now. 
And I don't know that the church of Jesus Christ is always above the fray or, or non, not involved in any of these things. But God's saying, don't be involved in any of those things. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Perfect here means entirely obedient. These nations which thou shalt possess hearken unto observer of times, unto diviners. As for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. And I would say that pertains to the church. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet. This is different. There's a prophet and the prophet. Okay? The prophet that he's going to talk about in Deuteronomy 18, famous chapter, famous passage here, it's Jesus Christ. And he goes on to talk about prophecy in general, the do's and don'ts of, of prophecy. Lord thy God will raise up to, unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. Of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall listen. Okay? They asked John the Baptist, Are you the Christ? No, I am not. Are you that prophet? What are they talking about? Deuteronomy 18. Said, I'm not. Say, you Jeremiah? No. Well, who are you then? And on it goes. And we'll talk about that some other time. But they're asking him, are you this Deuteronomy 18 guy? He said he wasn't. Jesus Christ is the Deuteronomy 18 prophet that God will raise up. He's of thy brethren. So he's Jewish. I know that some people claim, you watch a YouTube video, I'm the prophet of Deuteronomy 18. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, he's like Moses, Moses is saying, unto him you shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord thy God, uh, neither let me see his, this great fire any more that I die not. You remember they're at Horeb. Okay, Sinai. We know it better as Sinai. They're at Mount Sinai and God's giving them orally the Ten Commandments. And they're all just like, yeah, stop, stop. And they go to Moses and say, listen, don't have God talk to us anymore. If there's 11 commandments, we're all going to have a heart attack. You go. God will talk to you. You come tell us. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it's a fearful thing when God talks to you. Calves have their, uh, the, the deer in the field calve. They have their offspring when God speaks. Um, it, it's like, I, people talk about like the voice of God like, yeah, yeah, I was talking to God the other day. God said this and God said this and I said this and then God said this. And I'm thinking like, really? I mean, he's really. I know what it means to have God speak to us. I, I get it. I totally get it. God, does God speak to us? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah. Uh, but he, here they said, we don't want to hear God again. <laughs> it's too much for us. And the Lord said to me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. I, I agree, God's saying. In other words, at, at Mount Sinai. Therefore, with that in mind, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee. I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Why doesn't God just speak? Yeah, I've heard people say that. If God's there, why don't he just talk to us, right? He has. He has. By the way, he did audibly in the day of Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. People said, was that thunder? I think it thundered. Funny to me. Do you really want to hear the voice of God? 
uh, you know, he's up in the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. Paul, uh, Peter's, like, you know, running off at the mouth, and God basically tells him to shut up. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. In other words, you stop talking. Listen to what Jesus says. He has spoken to us. Now everyone believes, right? They didn't in that day. Why would they do it now? Hebrews, and I know you're already waiting for me there, so I'm, I'm catching up to you all. Hebrews chapter 1. Boy, this passage makes me want to teach the whole book of Hebrews this morning. You guys aren't got nothing planned for lunch, do you? Uh, God, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto in time past, under the fathers, by the prophets. Boy, he did. He did. He hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. <laughs> Every phrase here is a jumping off point for like a series of sermons. He hath, I, I don't, and I don't want to, I, I can chase this and not come back to where we need to be today. He hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. You see his in, in italics? He, get rid of it. It's, it's added. He hath spoken to us by son. It's almost like it's its own language. It is. It's the language of the heart. It's the language of faith. Does God speak to us? Jesus says, yes. My sheep hear my voice. You want to hear God? Read his Bible. You want to hear God audibly? Read his Bible out loud. God has spoken to us, and he's got a lot to say to us, but he's going to say to us in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. So let's go back there. Yeah, they said, well, I'm going to raise up a prophet like, uh, like their, unto thee, uh, like from among their brethren, like unto thee. I'm put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. What does that look like? looks like the Olivet Discourse. It looks like the Sermon on the Mount. It looks like his discussion with, in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. God's telling us all that he wants us to know. It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. <sighs> Scary stuff. But the prophet would show. Now it's talking about just a run-of-the-mill prophet, right? Are there prophets today? It's a question, Wednesday night question, right? But the prophets would show, presume to speak a word in my name. So there was one guy running around the landscape, and he was very, you know, he predicted Donald Trump was going to win the presidency. He predicted it also in uh, 2012, and when he didn't, he's his saying, well, God was, told me that he was going to make Donald Trump president, but America wasn't ready yet. I like how, you know, you shoot the arrow, wherever it lands, you just paint the bullseye around it. You always hit the target that way. And a lot of people do that with prophecy. Uh, it was Jean Dixon. She was a prophetess uh, back in the day. She predicted that uh, after the Kennedy assassination that Jackie Onassis, <laughs> Jackie Onassis, Jacqueline Kennedy would not remarry. And the next day, she married this Aristotle Onassis. So I was like, yeah, yeah, swing and a miss. And they always have a reason why, you know, they didn't get it quite right. Um, I think it was like prophecy, the prophets have spoken, is about people who keep scores is about 
If you flip a coin, you, you'll, do, you'll do 50%, right? God just showing them, yeah, they ain't, they ain't got what it takes. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Wow. That would cut down the traffic on YouTube considerably. If thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing shall thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. Why? Because God always gets it right. Listen, God always gets it right. You can trust this book. It's the word of God. He never gets it wrong. Uh, people uh, for years are like, oh, there's no Jericho, until they find Jericho. Oh, there's no Pontius Pilate. He was a fiction until they find something that has Pontius Pilate's name on it. You wait long enough, this, the archaeologist Spade will prove this book true over and over and over and over. God knows what he's talking about. Every time. You think contrary to this book, guess who's wrong? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, no come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. And I believe in prophecy. I believe that the gift of prophecy is for today. I don't think it's been left behind. That said, be very careful. Don't be presumptuous. That's going on to chapter 19. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities and in their houses, thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Now, he already talked about west of, east of Jordan. Now he's talking about west Jordan. When you go into the land, he's already given them the the districts in the cities and the districts of, of you know, uh, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Now it's, you're in the land, three cities. Thou shalt prepare thee away and divide the coast of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee and inherit into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. There's going to be three cities and they're going to be in three districts or parts. There's going to be a southern one, there's going to be a middle kingdom one, there's going to be one up north. Because I want it to be handy to wherever the guy has to flee. Now it goes on to uh, talk about, and I don't know if, I can't remember if this is scripture, I can't remember if it's commentary that some rabbi wrote. The, 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 the way the, the roads have to be maintained, the bridges have to be, be maintained, there's signage, there's like, you know, so you're not looking about figuring out, trying to, you know, you're fleeing for your life, and you're like, ah, where is it? I know Hebron's around here somewhere. God wants you to be able to get there. Uh, this is the case of the slayer. We'd say manslayer. Manslaughter is the idea. Which shall flee thither that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hath not... He hated not in time past. It was one of the, he gives us an example. This is the example. I think it's the example he gave us before. It was when a man goeth into the wood and his with his neighbor to hew wood. His hand fetched a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree. The head slipped from the helve and lighted upon his neighbor that he die. He shall flee under one of those cities and live. So you cut in wood. The, the axe head falls off, lands on your neighbor's head, splits his head wide open. He's dead. It was an accident. Even... In the land that God blesses, accidents happen. Why? It's a fallen world. And God, 
he's not guilty. He's guilty of having an accident. You could see woodcutting in that day was, uh, you want to have some liability insurance today the same way. Now it's, it's, it's much more likely to happen by chainsaw or tree falling on somebody. Um, but still people who do woodcutting, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous employment. Uh, so he shall flee into one of those cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot and overtaken because the way is long, and slay him, whereas he was not worthy of death inasmuch as he hated him not in time past. So there's this person called Event, the avenger. The word is Goel kinsman redeemer he's the next of kin who's supposed to take charge you you kill my brother i gotta kill you now that's how it works I, I, you call 911 with what who's coming to your rescue nothing's happening you're you gotta take see one of these things in that part of the world there's thousands of years of worth of this and there's still people who are listen jacob and esau were fighting in the womb Okay, just, just so as you know. There's some of this. Um, and there was, you know, people always talk about, like, oh, people always talk about, that we had that defund the police movement. Really? You think that all the way through? I like it when you dial 911, somebody show up in a huff, breathless, you know, trying to solve whatever issue is. I like that fact. Or should I get a, somebody, I got to figure this all out and I got to kill who and where's he running and what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm glad there's justice and, and things of this nature. I gotta get my posse together and chase after this guy. I was listening to one guy and he's it was a real situation. The guy who was preaching, his brother in laws were riding together and it was an accident and the younger of the two were killed. And he was talking to the driver of the car who killed him and there was alcohol in his breath and he said he was he this is you know third now fourth hand but the, he was never so upset he said he wanted to kill the guy oh it was an accident you chose to drink and get behind the wheel of a car you, you justified in a situation like that about taking somebody's life think it all the way through Uh, lest the avenger of blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot. He overtakes him because the way is long and he slays him. But he wasn't worthy to die. God wants two things to happen in his justice system. He's want innocent people to suffer and he's want guilty people to go free. Both of those things have to happen for justice to happen. How's, how are we doing here in America? Don't answer that. Wherefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee. And if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coast, as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, and give thee all the land which he promised to give unto thy fathers, if thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God, and to, do, and to walk ever in his ways, then thou shalt add three more cities for thee besides these three. So you're being blessed, God's uh, uh, you know, enlarging your border. He promised Abraham to the Euphrates River. That never happened yet. 
He says, we, you know, we're really going to build this thing if, if based on the fact that you're really obedient, you're really walking in the ways of the Lord. God, God will pour blessing, and you're, you're going to have this big, big land. We're going to need more than the three on this side of Jordan, the three on this side of Jordan. We're going to need one in downtown Baghdad. We're going to need one up in Lebanon. We're going to... And, and I know the Lebanese and the Iraqis don't want to hear that, but that's what God promised. But that's a story for another time. We're going to need three more cities, is what he's saying. That innocent blood be not shed in thy land. Because if the guy, the hothead, got that guy and killed him, that wouldn't be right at all. That innocent blood be not shed in thy land. It was an accident. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're working hard and you, you lose the axe head. That's my buddy who's laying dead there. I didn't mean to kill him. I feel terrible. Should, should that guy be executed? God's saying, no, that, that innocent blood be not shed in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance, and so blood be upon thee. But if any man hate his neighbor and lie in wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and fleeth into one of these cities... Now we're talking about somebody, this isn't manslaughter, this is an accident, this guy, I purposefully killed this guy. I laid in wait, I had a plan, I hatched a plan, I worked it all out, and I killed the guy. Good, because I hated him. No, 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 that's a different category, and God's saying that's a different category. Then the elders of this city, of his city, shall send and fetch him thence, and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. So you kill somebody, you, fl you flee to this City of refuge, the elders from your city go and say, no, 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 hand him over. This guy killed him in cold blood. He planned it. He hated him. He, uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's a, a fight over whose land this is and whose right of way and whose, and I've, we've all lived long enough to see people not be able to work or resolve or figure stuff out. And people just get crazy, insane, and hate. And uh, I've talked to somebody. Oh, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Why? What did he do? And they just they don't have a great reason for hatred. Or they do. Uh, something happened, you know, 27 and a half years ago. And, and when you get to the bottom of it, it's just like, really? And there's still that passionate hatred over all these years. Oh, we can't. Sometimes we can't, we can't figure out things, get to the bottom and fix things. Anyway, the elders of the city fetch that guy and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. When do we see capital punishment in the Bible? I think it's chapter 9 of Genesis, way before the law. Uh, God tells Noah, the man who kills a man by his by man shall his blood be shed. One of the questions I want you to ponder is capital punishment still incumbent? Uh, is it still something that God ordained? Um, I've been on both sides of this. It's not as easy or as trivial as a question, but I want you to you know, search it out and come up with some Bible reasons. If somebody asks you about that, you should be able to give good... I, your opinion is like my opinion. Who cares? But when you start sharing, well, this is what the Bible has to say, then now we're getting somewhere. You, you, listen, uh, yeah, but I don't want to kill somebody. I mean, now we got two dead people, right? 
Thine eyes shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that, he, that it may go well with thee. Innocent people ought to suffer, and guilty people ought to get punished. That's what God has said. And now it's not always capital punishment. There's, you know, here at the end he's going to say eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Don't pity him. I was talking Wednesday night. A friend of mine was on a jury, and the guy was guilty. He's as guilty as sin. He's just all there was to it. And then somebody brought up, well, you know, his upbringing. You know, he didn't have, maybe he didn't have all the benefits you had in your house with both parents and blah, 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 blah. And they explained the whole thing away, and he was innocent, not because of the facts didn't point to his guilt, but because of his supposed, maybe, poor upbringing. <laughs> I told my friend, I would have hung that jury, and I told him, frankly, I'm disappointed in you that you didn't. You know, you know, no, your eye doesn't pity him. Uh, guilt, guilt has to be dealt with. Not always? Well, we'll get there. Thou shalt remove thy labor, neighbor's landmark, which they of old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. So I want bigger land. I go out at night and move <laughs> the border over a couple inches. Nobody notices it. And I keep doing that and keep doing that. Pretty soon I own all his stuff, right? No, don't do that. One word that shall not rise up against a man for any in, uh, in, iniquity, or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth, the mouth of two, three, uh, two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. Now, the problem with that is like people who do like rape or something generally don't invite, uh, you know, a crowd of onlookers. I think God will out a person, though. You know, uh, one of the things that was really tough when I was doing safety was, I was a guy who was always investigating sexual harassment allegations. Sexual harassment is a horrible thing. It's also a horrible thing to say about somebody that he did it when he didn't do it. And I had to investigate a few of those also. It's tough. And I try to tell the guys, listen, consummate professional. Don't mess around here. Don't clown around. Don't goof around. Don't, because I'm talking to some poor hapless fool. Well, I didn't mean. And I said, what you meant and what they perceived. Uh, and by the way, in American 2022, you might as well know it. You're, you're guilty until proven innocent. You're never really proven innocent. He said, she said. They always believe that she said. Just saying. I'm just saying. But here, Scripture says that's not supposed to happen. One person, yeah, because they have a divorce, and my ex, oh, she's, she did this horrible thing. She was a necromancer. She used to conjure, that's why I had divorces. She'd conjure up the dead, and she had a familiar spirit, and she'd do all these uh, potions and stuff like this, and the elders come and wipe her out. Good, because I hate her anyway. No, 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 you can't do that. As a matter of fact, what happens in a situation like that, one witness shall not rise up against a man for his iniquity or for any sin. In any sin that he sinneth, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, two witnesses or three witnesses, the matter has to be established. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men 
between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judge shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. So I'm bringing up this False allegation, in this situation, sexual harassment. That person should be fired. Well, I should be fired for bringing up the false accusation. That's what it's saying here. And by the way, I couldn't agree anymore. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, now I, I bring you to court and sue you for something I know you're absolutely not guilty of. Oh well, and I lose the case. No harm done. And off I go. You had to invest in a lawyer, and your name was sullied because of the court case. We don't care. <sighs> then shall you do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother, so shall you put the evil away from among you. If this is going to result in the death of the person that I'm accusing, my life is forfeit if I'm a false witness. That clears up a lot of our jurisprudence. A lot of cases would never come before a judge or a magistrate or a jury if what I want to happen to them is going to end up happening to me when I accuse somebody falsely. It's a good system. Thank you, Lord, for telling us that. I wish we did that. And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. It's, uh, saying somebody did something when they didn't do it, that's evil. And I shall not pity but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now I heard somebody say, it was even on Fiddler on the Roof, oh, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, then, then it's going to produce a blind, toothless society. And Jesus says in the New Testament, we can go there, this is our last point, in the book of Mark, Sermon on the Mount, Chapter 5 of Matthew, because you knew uh, it was chapter 5, right? You were already there. You are just waiting for me to catch up. Verse 38. You've heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus is going to denounce this. You say, see? This is, and by the way, the God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament, those two different gods. God of the New Testament, he's groovy, he's cool, he's like, hey, pssst. No. <laughs> no. The God of the New Testament, the God of the Old Testament, same God. Jesus is saying, hey, there's another way. How about forgiveness? But I say, you resist not evil. Whoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn, turn to him the other also. Oh, yes, yeah, somebody hits me. Well, I'm going to hit them. That's the law. That's the way it is. He knocks out my eye. I knock out his eye. That's the how it's going to be. By the way, that's law. That's legal. That's equal. That's correct. What in, the New, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, what it's saying there, it's protecting you from, uh, okay, you were jaywalking, 30 days in an electric chair. We'll turn it up a volt every day until you're fried. Well, show them scoff laws not to jaywalk anymore. Uh, oh, ratchet it back a little bit there. Uh, you, you, you're getting a little carried away, right? The most law and order of us among us say that the, the penalty should fit the crime. 
And that's what God says, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. He knocks your eye. You don't get to kill him. You don't get to cut off his whole, dismember him and bury him. No, 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 no. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Equal. That's what God says. Now, Jesus comes and says, well, let me explain something to you. How about forgiveness? How about don't resist evil at all? Somebody smacks you on your right cheek, give them the other one. That's a possibility, too. I like that one. I like that one. Why? Listen, Jesus isn't doing anything that... He's not telling us to do something that he wouldn't do. He was smitten on his right cheek. And every other cheek he owns. He, 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 they ball up their fists and they hit him. They blindfolded him. Prophesy. Tell us who hit you. That, that, that turn in the, the cheek he was talking about, they took his cheek, they ripped his beard out of his face. Isaiah chapter 50. He said to us, listen, somebody compels you to go a mile. Go two miles. He went all the way to the cross. Turn the other cheek. He showed us. If a man take your cloak, give him your coat also. They gamble for his clothes, don't you remember? At any moment, he could have stopped this. This is totally wrong. This is totally unjust. I have my rights, and I'm going to demand satisfaction. And he had the power to back it up. He didn't, aren't you glad? It's called salvation. He's a wonderful God. Let's stand, let's uh, sing praise to him. Uh, minstrels will come. Love having music. Let's pray. Father, we... We like justice. You're just God. But we sin mightily and we get away scot-free. How is that just? Well, justice was satisfied on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we like salvation even more than we like justice. And we love grace even more than we like justice. We thank you that your mercy has rained down upon us. And you've been very good to us. And Jesus, we thank and praise you that you suffered. You paid the death that we deserve to die. And these verses we've looked at today reflect that. Praise and thank you for saving us. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.